Hola. Oh, sweet. That's like I have five words. I, that's like the first one I know, and that's it. Um, so everything else here is in English. Sorry, fellas, ladies, gents. He said I had to like a quarter after, but I didn't wear my watch, so you're screwed. <laughs> ah, sorry, sorry. That's all right. All right, Genesis chapter 2, please, in your Bibles. Let's jump right into it. Does this sound kind of tinny? You know, loud? Can you hear okay? No? Okay. All right, very good. Genesis chapter 2, please. I work with the youth at our church. Uh, I'm not officially the youth pastor. I'm in charge of the youth staff. Uh, I'm not actually a full-time employed by the church. Just uh, we're about 10 hours a week or so. I'm actually a contractor and uh, remodel homes for a living. So I think it's cool. Ryan, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're in uh, commercial construction and, and I'm residential construction. And we both love the Lord and we want to serve him. And uh, we don't get a paycheck to do that, but it's our passion and it's something we love to do. And so uh, full-time ministry isn't for everyone. Paid ministry is not for everyone. Serving the Lord absolutely is. And so uh, you, ought to, uh, you ought to invest your time and your resources in an opportunity to serve the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing. And whether you're a contractor or a nurse or a doctor, you should be serving him. That was free. Okay. This is the real stuff. Genesis chapter 2, please. I gotta get there myself. I'm gonna start reading in verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Verse 25. Now let's read verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the free of the tree, the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. It's truly one of the saddest stories in all of Scripture. 
This is where it all started. Now, I like to get a little feedback from the audience, so I'll ask some questions. You guys just feel to, to blurt them back. There's not necessarily right or wrong answers, but gets a little interaction and keeps you thinking. What was it that God commanded Adam and Eve? Not to eat of the tree. Which tree? That's right. There's actually two of them. Okay? That's right. Very good. Okay, so he can have anything in the garden, correct? Except those two trees. The whole, the whole garden was there for them. Created especially for Adam and Eve. But they can't touch those two trees. All right? So the serpent, who is the serpent? He's the devil. Very good. So he comes and he tries to deceive them. What does the devil say? What's that? Eating it will open your eyes. What else does he say? It'll make you more like God. What else does he say? You will not die. All of which are opposed to what God said. Is that right? Yes. Here's something you need to understand about life, guys and gals. All sin begins with doubting what God says. Every time. Does God really mean what he says? Yes or no? Well, of course we think yes. Why do we sin then? It's our nature. We're born sinners. Why do we sin? Because, of, yes, that's right, it's in our nature. Why do we sin? That's all right. We don't believe what God says. We genuinely do not believe what God says. If we did, we would sin less often. But we wrestle with temptation, we wrestle with sins, we wrestle with all sorts of things. We don't really believe that God means what he says. And the devil, way back in the Garden of Eden, put the little bug in Eve's ear. Maybe things are not like God says. Now, what is interesting about this passage Verse 25 says that they were naked and not ashamed. Now, I find that to be very interesting verse, okay? I mean, God's clearly trying to show us something from that verse. Now, let's be adults here, but let's have a conversation about this verse. Why were they naked and not ashamed? That's how God created them. Very good. Why else? Why were Adam and Eve naked and not ashamed? There was no sin in them. Very good. Let's add to this. We're putting a good skeleton together. Let's put some meat on the bones. Yes. There was no unholy thoughts. Very good. That's true. Obviously, Adam and Eve are wife, so it would be acceptable in that situation. But the Bible's very clear that they were not ashamed. All right, let's make this personal. There is nothing more vulnerable in the whole world 
than being naked. Okay? Like if you, we just don't go to the store to buy ketchup without wearing clothes. That would be awkward for everyone involved. <laughs> or mustard. Okay? Why why is that? Why why is it so instinctive to cover up? It didn't used to be. It wasn't back in the Garden of Eden. They were naked and not ashamed. Now, I understand there's no sin before she eats. So there's no lust. I understand that. They had no knowledge. Very good. No knowledge of what? Good and evil. Right and wrong. What did Adam and Eve have in the garden? Everything. Let's elaborate on everything. What did Adam and Eve have in the garden? They had food and shelter, yes. What else did they have? They had God's presence. That's interesting. It's true. Are you to think with me? There's no sin, and they're naked. They eat fruit they're not supposed to eat, and immediately the Bible says their eyes are opened. And for the first time, they saw their nakedness. What was their reaction? Shame. Cover up. Fear. What do you put all those words into one word? What is that word? uncomfortable how about insecurity for the first time in their life Adam and Eve were insecure God was walking with them in the garden and they were complete when they sinned that relationship was broken and for the first time in human history, Adam and Eve felt vulnerable and insecure because God's presence had left. I live way up north. It's a lot colder up there than it is down here. We eat different things. We have different activities. But we're not really all that different. You, me, we struggle with the same things. We struggle with feeling that we're not enough. We struggle with feeling that um, perhaps I don't have a place in this world. We struggle with wanting to feel and so we try all sorts of different things in order to feel. You know, there's a void in your life. That, was, that, that is the absence of God. It didn't used to be there. When Adam and Eve were created, there was no hole in their soul. God completed them. 
and yet they sinned. They listened to the lies of the devil, the lies that said God doesn't mean what he says. It's not really that big of a deal. If you eat it, you'll love it. You'll be like a god. You'll know good and evil. Best decision ever. And yet you and I, we believe all those lies every single day. God doesn't really mean what he says. Sin's not really that big of a deal. But I just wanted to experience something. I wanted to, I wanted to feel I, I, I fill in the blank. When we stop believing what God says, we are drawn continually into a state of insecurity and vulnerability. And we try to hide it. We try to hide it with uh, uh, hair and makeup and, and clothes and athletic ability and uh, intelligence and personalities and money and all of these other things. But at the end of the day, we are people with gaping holes that we are constantly trying to fix. And they're there because we don't really believe what God says. So, how do we change the cycle? How do we change, how do we go from being people that are uh, constantly victimized and, and, and put down and uh, not sure of ourselves and lacking self-confidence? How, how do we change that? What do we have to do? Take your Bibles and flip to Psalms 91, please. Psalms 91. Follow along, I'm going to read a few verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. 
When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Most of us do not live in the reality of Psalms 91. We don't understand resting under the shadow of the Almighty. What we understand is our continual cycle of sin. What we understand is that we're never quite good enough. What we understand is that no matter what I do, in order to feel a certain way, it doesn't last. It burns out. That's what we understand. Humanity as a whole lives this way. That's why we, we have a culture of, uh, you know, the 7 billion people in the world. And one of the greatest problems is loneliness. Seven billion people and we're alone. That's because we don't live the Psalms 91 life. There's three things I want to point out to you very quickly before I run out of time. If we want to change this cycle, if we want to abide as Psalms 91 discusses, if we want to get back to a Garden of Eden relationship with the Lord where our soul is filled with our relationship with Christ, what do we need to do? Verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You want to change the cycle? Stay close to God by keeping your sin confessed. You got to stay close to God by keeping your sin confessed. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. This is where the devil gets in the back of your head, but he doesn't really mean what he says. It's not that big a deal. You can try it. It's okay. You can go there. You can do it. You, whatever you want. It's all about you. Follow your heart. Stay close to God by keeping your sin confessed. Don't let sin overtake your life. Don't go to sleep at night knowing that you've said things you shouldn't have said or done things you shouldn't have done or thought things you shouldn't have thought. Make those right. Keep your life free from sin. You want to stay close to God? You have to keep your known sin confessed. Number two. Verse two says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You want to change the cycle? Number two, trust God completely with all the details of your life. There's a lot of details in your life. There's a lot of them. You have no idea what's coming. You don't know who you're going to marry. You don't know where you're going to live. You don't know what kind of cars you're going to drive, what kind of house you're going to live in. You don't know if you're going to have kids or no kids, boys or girls, both. We don't know those things. Who does? God does. But you know what we do? We spend our life worrying about all of the things we have no control over. Trust God with all the details of your life.
everyone. You know what? I don't really like the way God made me. I mean, this isn't really what I envisioned to be it. Trust God with all the details of your life. That includes how he made you. That includes the mind that he gave you. That includes the family that he chose to put you in. That includes the house that you're living in, the cars that you drive. It includes everything. Do you trust God with all the details of your life? You want to return to a relationship with the Lord that is mended, that is whole, that does not leave you gaping and wanting more. You must trust God. You have to. You say, well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it stresses me out. Now, some of you are probably planners, and it's like, you know, you want to have like every minute of your day planned out. There's, I'm sure there's, some of us are not like that. Okay, we're kind of just go with the flow, right? Most of the guys in here, that's how you are. I understand. I understand. We don't know what's happening. That can be freaky. Do you trust God with all the details of your life? I can't say that I ever intended to um, live in East Central Indiana and work as a contractor uh, growing up. That, that wasn't what I envisioned my life to be. And yet, God has allowed me to do things that I didn't even know that I wanted to do. I love where I'm at. I love the beautiful wife that he's provided for me, my three gorgeous children. I love the job and the church that he's allowed me to be plugged into. I love the ministries that he's given me. I love my life. I didn't know all of that 10 years ago. I don't know what's coming in 10 years. The reality is in 10 years, I may not have a wife and beautiful children or a job. I'm not guaranteed those things. But this thing I know, I will trust the Lord with all the details of my life. Everyone. Verse 14, this is God talking. He says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. You want to break the cycle? You want to live a Psalms 91 type of life? Number three, delight yourself in the things of God. You have access to more stuff than any generation before you. Social media, phones, YouTube, movies, music. You have access to things that no other generation has ever had at their fingertips. And it's all there right in front of you. It's like a, it's like a billboard going off constantly distracting you let me challenge you delight yourself in the things of god you should make an investment in your life and go to germany for a summer you should make an investment in your spirituality and work at a camp you should make an investment in your spiritual life and serve at church 
Learn to delight yourself in the things of God. You know, the reality is that at the end of the day, we just want to win. We, we, we want a win. We, we feel beat down. We feel like uh, life is not going as planned. We feel like uh, things are falling apart. I can't keep it all taped and screwed and not and bolted together. It's like my life's a disaster. You know why? Because we're not living a Garden of Eden type relationship with our Savior. We've let sin get in the way. We're not keeping our sin confessed. We don't trust God with what's going on in our life. And we certainly don't delight ourselves in the things that please and delight him. And then we wonder why we're so insecure, why we're so vulnerable, why our life is such a mess. Perhaps we could learn from Adam and Eve tonight. Keep your sin confessed. Stay close to God by keeping your sin confessed. Trust God completely with the details of your life. Delight yourself in the things of God. I want nothing more than for all the young people in this room to know what it's like to have a meaningful, personal, real relationship with your Savior. That's priceless. It is the most wonderful thing ever. But if you want that, you have to be committed to some things. Keep your sin confessed. Delight yourself in the things of the Lord and trust him with all the details of your life. Let's pray.